Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where things are far from normal. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, sheltering at home, and social isolation, I'm bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, and calm beyond face masks and hand sanitizer. Today, my guest is Emma Destrubay, acupuncturist, herbalist, and an elegant practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. We're going to be talking about how to find balance, empowerment, and an internal cultivation of health in these stressful times. So welcome, Emma. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to talk with you because you have such a deep and multi-layered view of health, healing, and the body. You draw not just from your study and practice of traditional Chinese medicine, but you also blend in your work as a writer, as an artist, and as a somatic movement therapist um, in the fluid movement practice of continuum as well as other somatic forms. Um, so you have such a deep, um, a deep understanding of the body, and so I'm so curious to talk to you today. Thank you. So um, I would love to hear your perspective on this virus and uh, in relationship to this particular time of year from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective or from your medical perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's so, there's so much to say about that. I think that, um, you know, these are times when we are really longing for a medicine that is empowering and one that can, we can relate to personally. You know, that makes sense to our own experience and that can make meaning of our subjective perceptions and um, communicates in the poetic and archetypal language of our subconscious. So we're so bombarded right now in language that separates us from our innate cellular wisdom, you know, language of war and battle and denial and opposition. And in my opinion, healing can never happen in that, you know, true healing can never happen in that framework. So, um, and the first thing that we have to do is, even on a biological level, is meet the thing, you know, meet this new stimulus and get, get curious about it. Our body has to get curious about it. Um, so I think we can use the, the language of nature as a way to have an entry point into that kind of, that, that way of viewing things. So both the language of the nature within our own bodies and the language of nature without. And the practice of East Asian medicine just does an incredible job of, um, of framing that for us in terms of the, the cycling of the five elements, so the cycling of the season. So can you talk a little bit about um, the season that we're in and how that um, that can inform our bodies? We're form yeah, our, our, all of us, not just our bodies, but our minds, our bodies, <laughs> our language. Absolutely. Yeah, so in this whole pandemic, it, for, well, I'll speak from the point of view of both the rest and the northern hemisphere, which I think is the majority of your, your listeners. So mm -hmm. we, you know, this pandemic arose in the wintertime. And in Chinese medicine or in East Asian medicine in general, the winter relates to the element of water. So we're working in these systems of correspondences. So the water element is underground. You know, the wintertime is when everything goes dormant, everything's underground, it's the realm of subconscious, of incubation, of hibernation, of, um, you know, really, really resting in those still watery depths. On the flip side, um, it's also the domain of fear, of a deep breeze and a, and a questioning of whether the springtime, whether the, the uh, 
the sprout will ever come to the surface, whether the light will ever return. You know, that's such an ancient myth in so many cultures. Um, the springtime is that return of the light, and that is the wood element. So when we say wood in um, in the West, in English language, you know, we think of like a, a plank or a piece of driftwood or a dead wood. But in in this framework, we're talking about living wood. So a plant, something sprouting, or the image would be fresh bamboo. You know, the way that it can sprout even through concrete. So um, it's uh, it's all about upward and outward growth and expansion and everything to do with, you know, fresh sprouts and eggs breaking open and baby chicks and everything that we see in the springtime is that real freedom of, of movement and of expansion and of expression into the top side world. So um, in the cycling of the elements, we say that water nourishes wood. So when we really have allowed ourselves to be transformed by these watery depths and to trust in the, the seed, um, we birth a, a healthy, happy, fresh sprout. It's, you know, it's fresh, it's naked, it's strong and flexible and bendy because it's filled with hydration and fluidity. It's resourced in that silent depth of stillness, of liquid, earthy mana of the water, the water elements, the potent dreams and subconscious supports. So that is the springtime, and that is the time that we're in which is an interesting time to be in because we are called by nature internally and externally upwards and outward when we're also being asked to stay home. Right. It presents us with an interesting, interesting situation. Right. So what, so what, uh, what is that doing to us on an elemental level or on an energetic level to feel the urge to expand outward, but to be asked to, be confined? Well, ideally, it's making us really creative in the ways that we're expanding. I think, you know, when it, when it's not, like the, the clearer answer is it's making us frustrated and constrained and angry and, you know, cabin thievery. It's making our ligaments a little sore because we're not stretching them out all the way. Um, I think it can also make our roots kind of run rampant. You know, if a tree is contained, like if you imagine a potted plant, all of those roots are... Um, you know, get tangled. Those he- healthy roots are, are um, you know, they're deep and they spread out into the earth with kindness, not tangling or overtaking, but they provide this subterranean network, helping to offer the earth stability and keeping the riverbanks strong. So it's that kind of mindful growth, re- expansion that respects the needs of the community, like an even distribution of resources throughout a forest. It is the, you know, the height of that elemental possibility. So right now, because our roots are more constrained, we're getting GI issues, we're feeling stress, all of that constraint is kind of beating itself up on our bodies. Um, so what can we do about it? I think we have to find ways of, um, of finding expansion in smaller ways. So there's the way, or not necessarily smaller, but that aren't, you know, that, that respect physical distancing. So I think the ways to do that are through creative projects ways that we can really allow our imagination to expand. Uh, breath work, allowing the metal elements, our lungs, to, um, to, support, to support that. Mm-hmm. And then dissolving fear in whatever way I, we can, you know, so that that wood element is well-nourished and bendy and flexible. Um, so whatever practices we have in our 
in our treasure chest that we can lean on. And then finding ways of expanding internally. So through the exploration of our internal terrain as opposed to the external domain. And then lastly, and maybe most importantly, is through grounded skills action. So finding ways that we can reach out into our communities and you know, the, you can imagine that fresh bamboo sprout. It grows tall and it, if it's well hydrated, it can bend in the wind, it can weather any storm. So that's the, that's the medicine of this time. Yeah, wonderful. So, um, so how are you, um, first of all, how are you working with patients right now? Are you able to, I know you're not able to see anyone. Are you working on the phone? Are you working on video? How, how are you, how are you helping people right now? Yeah, so a few ways. I closed my practice early. I wanted to make sure I was not contributing to any spread. And I'm doing telemedicine offerings, so working through video. Um, I've also put together a big immune guide that's available on my website just by donation. Um, putting to, like It's just listing everything from recommended supplements and dosages to herbal support to nutrition and lifestyle guidance, as well as just some, like, beautiful poems that help us to make sense of this time. Mm-hmm. So that's a resource that I've been pointing people towards and then doing more more um, one-on-one work, often bringing people herbal medicine, which is having just incredible success in these times. Yeah, and the herbal medicine is building immunity or it's doing something else? Yeah, so I mean, the tradition of, of herbal medicine from East Asia has been treating epidemics for 1,800 years. So it's very complex. And in Korea and Taiwan and China, hospitals are integrating herbal medicine into their treatment plan in the vast majority of patients. Um, so formulas depend, depend on exactly who we're treating. So they're really individualized because when your particular body is in harmony, in harmony internally and in harmony with our environment, which of course right now includes a virus, uh, that is our health. So we can never, it's never a one sheet fits all. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But the formulas are generally strongly immune boosting and then also um, antiviral and working with specific herbs that have been researched for uh, coronaviruses in particular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, one of the things that we're seeing, which I feel like is very empowering, is coming out of, of hospitals, everybody is reporting that the outcome for patients is almost entirely dependent, regardless of treatment entirely dependent on their own immune system. So to me, it's really empowering news because it means that the best thing we can do is our own self-cultivation. So if we can lean in, um, you know, and trust in the research from ancient cultures and the research from our own experiential research and really soften our personal inhibitors to engaging this present moment, it's the best thing we can do. So, in addition to herbal medicine, how do we um, utilize what you're calling poetic medicine? How do we build an immunity through our sense of well-being that is beyond our physical, biological condition? What, what are other um, factors that contribute to our well-being and our immunity? Yeah, um... I mean, I think, first of all, it's about reframing and, and finding a way of 
each of us individually making meaning of this so that we can engage it in a responsive way as opposed to a reactive way. Um, so I think, you know, we have to, we have to first, with any stimulus, whether it's, you know, the light or a temperature change or whatever it may be, we first have to meet it. We have to get curious about it and ask, you know, what is this? And is this me or is this not me? And in order to make that differentiation, we have to have a clear sense of self, a really clear, coherent, biological meanness. But then, of course, so much of the patterning of a culture has created barriers to that experience where we're trained to reference externally and to seek outside information to let us know who we are and how to feel and move and breathe and be and whether we're okay. So we haven't been encouraged to self-reference um, and to, or to reference nature again, within us and without us, to guide our behavior. So that creates this sort of heady, egoic way of identifying. But I think one of the most helpful practices in this time is to broaden the lens and remember, keep remembering ourselves as an extension of this vast and mysterious planetary process. And when we do, we have so much more information and intelligence to resource from. It's a feed. So that really is a question of slowing down into our body's own rhythms so that we can really hear our cravings and nourish ourselves appropriately and receive the fullness of our breath so that we're supporting our organism to respond appropriately and with coherence to whatever to whatever it's meeting whether that's you know just a change in our immediate environment we get hungry something inside or whether it's virus you know what whatever that is so that comes back again to uh, to the fact that our own cultivation is, is essential for our immunity. So in the, you know, when this virus first started coming to our American doors and uh, there was quick action, like almost every day, some new action about uh, mm -hmm. creating social distancing and sheltering at home and, and our world became unrecognizable to us um, in yeah. terms of how we, where we could go and how we would get food and a run on toilet paper and um, all mm -hmm. the ways in which people had to process a lot of um, un, you know, foreign directives and incorporate them. And, and many people I know became very frightened. Yes, of course as well as just overstimulated from yeah. watching the news, the news, the news, the news, the news, and, um, and also from sort of really uh, trying to accept or imagine the unimaginable. And yeah. so these had certain effects or still having certain effects on people. Um, what are the effects that you're seeing? How is it affecting people? And, um, and what are some ways that people can start to, like you say, find ground, relate to nature, sort of step away? Because it's my sense that if we're sort of captured by fear, that it's hard to access these deeper places of knowing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the practice, you know, and I think it's been humbling for so many people who have deep practices and have not been able to access them in the way that they're used to. And I'm seeing this across the board. And so um, I'm not the you know, only one. From, yeah, you're not yeah. the only one. Yeah. No. Uh -huh. I mean, even for myself, you know, I go, go into my practice and 
as, as slowed down as I get, I meet these new layers of speed that I'm not used to encountering. So it's it's new information, both externally, but then also internally when we're when we're engaging it within our own practices. So, um, I mean, there's so many levels at which to speak about this. In terms of my practice, what I'm seeing is, of course, everybody's nervous systems are spun out and bed up, and there's so much addictive behavior around news consumption. So I think very practically finding more consciousness around the way that we're keeping ourselves informed and making sure that we're uh, we're engaging with media enough to keep ourselves well-informed, which is, of course, essential, but not taking that to the next level where it's like a, a kind of reflexive check-in, like, am I okay now? Am I okay now? By checking, you know, checking our phones or however we do it, whether it's mm-hmm. Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's the news feed. So just finding more, um, finding a little bit more space for the reflex, mm-hmm. I think is a, is a good place to start. Um, and then I think also in, in finding this speed within ourselves and, and being faced with feelings that we're not used to facing on some level, it has to be an initiatory right. But on some level, if we can sit in the fire, you know, we're feeling all of these feelings that we're not used to feeling. Um, and our normal ways of our normal, our normal uh, pathways of stability are, like you said, like even the toilet paper, you know, or whatever it is that we're expecting is has shifted externally. So we have to find a way that our internal world, our own bodies can act as a ground, as a stability. And I think that if we are, if we're able to keep reconnecting with that, and it's, it has to be small ways, you know, it has to be like a good meal or slowing down just enough to, you know, stroke your cat or your own fingernails or just something slow some tiny way that you can engage with the present moment mm-hmm. and i think if we can do that and when we can do that um that's it's a potent space to be in you know we don't know what's going to happen and we never know what's going to happen it's always true but right now of course it's like this giant red flag in front of in front of all of our eyeballs you know Yes, because we don't know what's going to happen, and we never know what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. we're not necessarily convinced that it's going to be bad, or we're not necessarily convinced, right. usually, that the unknown is going to make us sick, that we could die, that we could suffer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, some people go there, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not always. But because of this pandemic, and because it's affecting everyone in the world, and it's not like over there, it's right yeah. here, wherever here is, um, that there is, it's got a different color to it, right? It's like you have exactly. to work, you have to work to, to not convince your, to, you have to work to convince yourself, no, how do I want to say this? Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily going to be bad, the outcome. Even the unknown is not necessarily going to be bad for me. It will be bad for some people. Yes. Yes, it will. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's really what it is. There's nothing. You know, the only the only ways we can change it are by doing everything we're doing. You know, taking the precautions and educating our families and taking care of ourselves. It's um, it's really we're really pressed into a place where our all of our normal um, modes of of escape or of mediation or of 
um, of support are, are shifted. You know, it's like, it's like you wrote that navigating change is the new stability. You know, there's no, there's no better incubator for that idea. Right. Right. So it's us, and- you know, we don't want to sit in the fire, so to speak, you know, but I think that, yeah, I mean, I think there is value to it. Yeah, and I live in earthquake country, right? I live in Los yeah. Angeles in California, an earthquake country where we have experienced, you know, the earth rumbling and and gravity not behaving the way we just expect it to, right? And yeah. and yet this is something entirely different. And you know, there yeah. are those people who are feeling the uncertainty and the instability in terms of uh, their concerns about getting sick. There are other people who are feeling it in terms of social systems. And many people are concerned about their finances and how they're going Mm -hmm. to, you know, their jobs are put on hold or they cannot go to work. Um, And so, and that creates this this rise, right? This rise in the in your chest right an arresting of your breath Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i think that it's sort of like um the the irony is that when we find ourselves in these states of fear our impulse tends to be to shut down or to close off our our edges you know like seal up the gate close our pores and even very physically, you know, we're all finding more tension in our bodies and it creates a huge backlog of emotions. So it, it makes it much more difficult to actually grieve what's happening and actually get angry about the lack of, of uh, support that we're seeing on a broader social level. And uh, yeah, so I think that um, I think that that's another point of, of access because, you know, the, the external situation is what it is. So it's the question for each of us moment to moment is how do I stay connected to myself? How do I stay connected to the larger world? How do I remember that I am nature amidst all of this? It's like, it's really a crucible, you know? And I, I am speaking for myself and I'm speaking for everybody that I'm working with. But I think this image of the pores is, is crucial because it's like when we lock ourselves so tightly in that fear circuit, um, we're closing ourselves to any potential nourishment, any to, to receptivity to anything else, to our mm-hmm. breath and that the nourishment that that is, or to to sensation, you know, to touch from our own hand, even, you know. And so I think that um, you know, even on a cellular level, every every cell has these pores or these little channels that open and close to let waste products out and let new information in, new nutrients, and that's literally the foundation of our of our living. So I think on a broader scale in terms of our whole body, we have to find ways of doing the same thing. So even just now, like you could squeeze your skin tight and then let it go a little bit and feel the kind of relief in doing that and even do it a few times, you know, so you can really feel that state of tension and just a simple opening. And immediately I want to take a deep breath. We have to still find how can we let ourselves be fed and let ourselves be nourished when there's also something we want to keep out. And even from the perspective of our, of our immune system to, um, 
we require that receptivity in order to make a choice so that we can let some things in and other things not so that despite it all, we're still being fed in some way. Right, because the immune system is selective about what it uh, what exactly. it lets in or what it um, it tries to keep out, right? And what yeah, you're saying, exactly. what I'm hearing you say is that when we get in these in these closed states, we're keeping everything out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and including any new information that could potentially allow us to respond in a in a new way. You know, which is I don't know. I think there's nothing that these times are calling for more than some kind of new response individually and collectively. Right. And when you say and information, you're not just, you're not, you don't mean the news. What do you mean when you say new, allowing new information in? Yeah. So um, I'm talking about a biological information. So if I take it back, you know, I didn't grow my own body. I didn't read an instruction manual of how to create an embryo. You know, mm-hmm. that was something that happened through an intelligence and through a stream of information that is beyond my cognitive capacities. So information can come in so many forms. It could come as, you know, in my work, I use a lot of breath and the vibration of our breath as as information, as nourishment to the system. Or maybe that information could come in as an herbal medicine or as the sunlight on your face or just any kind of new stimulus. So we get stuck in in these loops of fear and discomfort. And I think one of the, one of the ways of, shifting that theme, even for a little bit, is to find something else to feel, some kind of new information. So again, coming back to the sunlight, because that's hopefully there, it's been nice and sunny in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's just the pressure of your sit bones on whatever your chair you're sitting on right now, but to find some kind of sensation of a good feeling in your body. And that is giving new information to your nervous system which will start to shift the scene and start to loosen the grip of that, of that anxiety. Yeah, that's really important. That's really important and very helpful. So um, you've been speaking to it all along, but what is your prescription for self-empowerment right now? You know, because like you said, we're doing, we're, uh, we're, it's a lot of do it yourself right now. And um, what is your prescription for our self-empowerment as far as our health goes and our well-being? Well, I mean, it's such a big question. I think that there are so many things that we can be doing very practically in terms of staying well hydrated and taking large doses of vitamin C and eating well and doing, coming back to all of these fundamental ways of nourishing ourselves. Um, and we, we know we know how we've been so trained not to we've been so trained to put our worth in our external productivity and not into our ability to tend to life so i think that i mean i think that very simply um is empowering you know to understand that we can allow our cognitive capacities and our creative capacities to slow down a little bit and just turn their direction, just turn inwards enough to um, start to participate with the life process that we are. I think there's nothing more empowering than um, engaging life, you know, than recognizing ourselves as part of a biological process that holds innate value and innate intelligence. Yes. And 
viruses are part of us as well. I mean, viruses, microbes, bacteria, they make up so much of, uh, of our body. Absolutely. I've been thinking about this so much, you know, especially in terms of the way that, like I was saying before, all of the, the language we're using is around war and, and opposition and battle. And yeah, viruses are a part of nature and have absolutely shaped our evolutionary pathway. And, you know, when we think of ourselves, there's like we're made of trillions of these cells, these single cells, and even more microbes and bacteria. And, um, yeah, and then there are these viruses. Some of them live within us. Many live without us. And um, they're, you know, nature calls us back to nature. We are nature. So, so much of the fear is based on referencing ourselves not internally, but from the demands and the ideals of our culture. Which we which are being... Say, go ahead. I was going to say, which we are being called to shift. We are being called to shift. Mm -hmm. And you were about yeah. to say... I was just going to say, which isn't to say that it makes the suffering any less difficult. Yeah. You know? One thing on that note, to come back to this um, the element of the, the springtime, the wood element, is to allow ourselves to allow our emotions to move freely. You know, I think in part of the fear, there's like a there's a shutdown, there's a there's a freeze response. And for me, one of the ways out of it is to get a little animal about it, get on all fours, growl a little bit, allow all of that pent up emotion, the grief, the anger, the frustration of the way everything is being handled, whatever it is for you. Um, to allow that to move through you a little bit. Yeah, we have to let it move through us. We have to let all of this move mm -hmm. through us yeah. and to not see um, this time of sheltering as a confinement or as a jailing, but rather um, as a way to create sanctuary. Absolutely. And to be compassionate with ourselves in this space, you know, to be tender, to touch ourselves tenderly, to massage our faces as we wash them, you know, like we're in, we're in a new situation and we are, um, you know, just like if you bring a kitten home, you know, you're putting them in a new situation and you're going to be gentle and tender and sweet with them. I think there's so much space for, for slowing down in that way as well. Mm, beautifully put. So and whether that's sitting with the, whether that's sitting with the anxiety and being tender to ourselves about that too, you know, trying to change less. Yeah. Trying to change less, trying to change yeah. less. Yeah. So Emma, please tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can find more about you, how you might be of help to them uh, now and in the future. Yeah. My website is Emma Destrebe.com. E M M A D E S T R U B E. And you can book sessions with me online there. Um, I'm doing many sessions by sliding scale right now if cost is prohibitive. Um, I'm also mailing out herbs still as supplies last. And like I said, I have the long list of immune support there. Um, and I also have a few somatic classes in the works. So I can keep you posted about those um, through my website. Right, and just to mention that uh, when we are not sheltered at home, you uh, practice in Los Angeles as well as in Atlanta. That's right, yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been a very uh, illuminating conversation. And uh, I myself am going to put what you say into practice to feel more empowered. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.